The Beat Church in Pflugerville, Texas. Bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free.
feel like you're giving your allegiance and your honor to something else. It allows you to feel that you have humility and that you're worshiping a higher power and admitting that you're not all. But it also allows you subconsciously to know that you are all because you're the one that made it in the first place. And so it allows you to both try to live as if you serve someone else that's bigger than you, but internally knowing, well, I even made that. If that doesn't work, I can toss it. I'll get another. And so this is the place that they had been in. But he says, therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Holy Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is the Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now, he's not talking about words, because anyone can say, Jesus. Anyone can say, Jesus is Lord. And anyone can curse God with their mouth. What he's talking about is a decision to actually say, this is the truth and this is what I'm following. He's talking about something bigger. That word actually means to bring a message to a close. If you look up the actual word in the Greek, it doesn't just mean to speak it, but it means to close the conversation this is done. Jesus is Lord. And you can't do that without the Holy Spirit working in you. Says there are different kinds of gifts, and this is where we get into his gifts. So he just established that the Holy Spirit's there. Now we're going to talk about the gifts. Verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes all of them. My mom used to buy us gifts. And what was very interesting about that is we had more Christmas gifts than anyone else that I ever knew. We were four. There were seven kids in the family. My dad was a landscaper. And yet we had the most gifts under the tree buy a pack of socks and open them and then wrap each pair of socks individually. So there was more to open. My mom would find, like, buy a sweater, get 10 free. Not buy one, get one free, because that's just too expensive. But she would find, like, a buy one, get 10 free. And then literally, everyone would go around, and once one person opened a present, you could look at all the other packages and go, oh, there's my sweater. It all matched. One year, we got these gigantic prison sweaters. They were a big black bar and then a white bar, and then a black bar and then a white bar. It's these huge sweaters. But they were all the same. And it kind of took the fun out of it. What the Lord's talking about, he says that there's different kinds of gifts. You don't have to look at your neighbor and say, oh, I see how God uses them, so that must be how God wants to use me. Well, I guess I've already seen they serve the Lord, and this is what's going on in their life, and how God uses them to serve, and how God uses them to bless others. So it's going to be the same for me. That's not the case. God has given each of us a different gift and a different ability. Verse 5, there's different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. When you see somebody that's out serving, like we went out on Saturday and we cleaned up at the Pregnancy Resource Center, you know what? That is God working through the people that were there working. Because inherently, by our own nature, we're selfish and we want to get up on Saturday and do our own thing. But we wouldn't serve. Why? Because that's God working in us. Does that mean if somebody didn't show up at that particular event and serve in that particular way that God is not working in them? No, because God could be working in them in way. And so this is a call not to judge. Don't judge somebody else because they don't serve the way that you serve. Don't judge somebody else because their ministry is in a different avenue than your own or than in my own. He's saying, pay attention. There's different things going on, but it's all God at work. God's on the move. And if we can have eyes to see it, then we can appreciate what he's doing. Verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. This is important. In verse 8. To one that is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing 
between spirits to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. That's a whole lot of gifts and a whole lot of stuff to say in one little package of verses. But he says in there over and over again, verse after verse, given by the same spirit, given by one spirit, by the same God at work. He keeps on saying, here's things that are happening, but God is the one doing them, and it's the same God. Why is he doing that? Can't he say it one time? I know a lot of you have kids. Right? How many things do you get to say one time? Not very many. Yeah, want, want some candy. That's the one thing you can say one time and they hear it and they respond. You want some candy? Yes. Oh, you can hear it. But I thought you couldn't hear it, so I just asked if you could pick up the toys and I didn't hear the response. He repeats himself because we have a hard time hearing it. It's our nature outside of Christ to think about ourselves and to think about ourselves as either greater than or less than someone else. That's how we live. Everything is up or down. Everything is swipe right or swipe left. Everything is that way. Thank God Facebook doesn't have a dislike button, huh? Doesn't that just destroy everybody's ego? Everything was just, oh, dislike, oh, dislike. Imagine how fast the posts would go down. That's their secret to being multi-billionaire company. All the people can do is like or love your stuff or share it. I mean, they can comment, but they can't actually just say, this, this stinks. Boom. <laughs> Done. Or else people would post a lot less and they'd have a lot less money. But this is our nature. We like to either be, know that we're above people or else we measure ourselves as below and we get insecure and afraid. And he keeps repeating, no, none of these gifts are for division and for comparison. These are all from God. These are all gifts to be used together. And he determines who gets them. Verse 12, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit. He keeps repeating himself. So as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, that's people that know God or don't know God, slaves are free, okay? The Bible, long before culture started pushing for freedom, the Bible is pushing for freedom. That there's no longer slave nor free. It even talks about there's no longer male nor female. God's pushing for saying, you know, I'm working in all of you to do what I want to do. It says, and if it, it says... If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, we're going down to verse 15, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would for that reason not become a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there's many parts, but one body. I mean, he's got to say one in every verse. The entire purpose of the spiritual gifts is to draw us together and to draw us towards Christ. Unity, oneness, it brings us together, it doesn't divide. It brings us closer to the Lord. It causes us to see how we need each other, for us to be able to build each other up. Verse 21, the eye cannot save the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated 
with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body. So he's already said, it's one, it's one, it's one, it's one, it's one. Now he says, oh, by the way, there's no division. Okay, if you're not getting the oneness, there's no division. This is to draw us together, to bring us together. But that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part's honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, that's all of us. And each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now, eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you there's a more excellent way. So he lists out some gifts here. We're going to get detailed into these. Okay? But he lists out, some, he lists out these gifts, and he describes the different kind of positions that God gives within the church. He talks about oneness and unity. And then he lays all those out, and then he says, but there's a more excellent way. It's almost like he's being so careful in actually getting us to the point. Some of you might be thinking, I thought we came to learn about spiritual gifts. Let's get to the point. I want to know my spiritual gifts. I didn't write this. Paul did. And the people he was writing to are probably reading and thinking, get to the point. I want to know about my gift. I want to know my special ability. What can I do? How has God made me? How does God want to use me? But he's so careful about it because he wants to make sure that once he talks about it, that it's used for each other and for the glory of God. And that people don't run off with it for their own self-interest. And so he goes through that, and now he tells there's a better way. So going into the next chapter, because that was 1 Corinthians 12, so going into the next chapter, I'm only going to read a couple of verses out of that. But if he says, eagerly desire the gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way, don't you think it's important that we read what the most excellent way is? Because yeah. that's the next piece. And that's the start of 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, so he's talking about giftings, but I do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and I give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. He's saying if you have all the gifts and abilities and you fine-tune them and you're prophetic and you can talk about the future, you can speak things into people's lives and tell them about things that you don't know. If you can go and serve somebody, you can go clean off their roof and set up their house. If you can take your money and help somebody in need, but you're not doing it out of a heart of love, it's worthless. So how do we know if it's done in a heart of love? If somebody gives, I mean, how do I know if that's done in love or not? If somebody gives me a word, how do I know if that's done in love or not? I'm going to tell you, this is how you know. Okay? And this test works every time. Are they willing to be in relationship? If they're not willing to be in relationship, they can have a lot of motivations. But that's not love. We know this because we get our actual truth about love from Jesus. 
And God so loved the world that he gave his son, why? To come down and die for us, why? So that we could be reconciled to him, why? So we could be in relationship with him. Love at its core is relational. So if I use any of the gifts, and yet I don't have time for the people that God has put in my life, because I'm too busy with my gift. I'm sorry, I, I got to get out of here, I got more prophesying to do. I'm sorry, here's a check, but i got to get out of here because i got more money to make because my gift is given. Oh, I'm sorry, I know I cleaned that up. I'm going to another house and I'm going to clean that If it is from God and it is done in love, then relationship will be available. It doesn't mean relationship with every single person because God puts us in circles and connections and he causes us to have people that are in our lives and we're in their lives. But if you are ever in contact with somebody, and this is important because sometimes we admire someone's gift. Say, man, I wish I had the gift. And we become a follower of someone's gift. Boy, that guy's got a gift of healing. I'm going to go everywhere he goes. That guy's got a gift of whatever, the, whatever that shiny gift is. And he's doing good with it. But I'll just warn you that if you're following a gift and you can see that that person is unwilling to hold back enough on the gift to be relational with people and to really love them, don't follow Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul was relational. You know, John, who walked with Jesus, he had a great gift. He had a gift of prophecy. He was pushed off, isolated to an island towards the end of his life as a punishment because he wouldn't be quiet about Jesus. He wouldn't be quiet trying to win people to God's family. So they sent him off to an island out there to live on his own and to die. And yet, on an island, isolated by himself, what did he do? He didn't say, well, that's okay. It's me and God. I speak to God and I hear God, so I'm okay. It's me and Jesus. A lot of people have that heart and that attitude that, well, it's me and Jesus. I don't need anyone else because God is all I need. John is isolated to this island and he spends his time writing letters back to the church and to the people there because his heart is for them. It's not just for himself. And so God has set an example of love. And so that's what 1 Corinthians 13 takes us into. So I'm going to give you a few phrases here. Motivation matters, and I want you to think about this in terms of gifting. Okay, one is God gave it to us for blessing, not impressing. Okay, God gave you a gift for blessing, not impressing. One, to bless other people. And two, because he wants to bless you by letting you have fun. Doing the things he loves to do. He loves to serve people. He did it when he was on earth. He loves to heal people. He did it when he was on earth. He loves to speak life into people. He did it when he was on earth. He loves to do these things and he wants to participate with you. Like I take my son golfing now. Why? I love to golf. I love it more to do it with him. Because I know I'll win. Makes it way fun. God wants to do it with us. So it's for blessing, not impressing. Blessing yourself, God wants to bless you, and he wants you to bless others. Here's another one. It's for, it's for revelation, not elevation. It's to reveal who God is, not to elevate yourself above other people. Okay, we all have different giftings. If I ever take my gifting as a pastor of this church, and I start elevating myself above people, and you know, I can't be a part of that, or I can't go visit that group, because I have to send just an underling. I can never visit, because it's kind of beneath my station now. I'm higher up in my gifting. Leave this church. Go find a church that's following Jesus. Okay? Because it's not about the person. 
He brought up the revelation, not elevation. It's to reveal God, not to lift ourselves up. And the third one is it's for interdependence, not independence. God gave us giftings to create a need for interdependence where I serve Jason and Jason serves me because we have different gifts. Not for independence. I don't need others because it's just me and God and I have my own gift. Okay, so this is the groundwork for getting into the giftings that God gives us spiritually. So if you guys, if you have your notes, you can flip over to the other side. We're going to get into those. Right now, we're going to start out in Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. And this is positional spiritual gifts. We're going to break this into three categories. Positional, and then also natural, and then supernatural. Now, I will tell you that they're all supernatural. Not from us. But just in our way of thinking and categorizing things, it helps us to understand. Okay, sometimes I say, well, I'd like to see a miracle. The fact that your neighbor next to you is breathing is a miracle. Life is a miracle. But when we say I want to see a miracle, we're talking about I want to see that person that's sick get made well and I pray for them. Okay, they're both miracles. So all of these gifts are supernatural, but we're going to talk about them in separate categories just for our own train of thought. So first is positional spiritual gifts. Ephesians 4, 11 to 13. So Christ himself gave, not gifting, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity. This is a whole different book of the Bible. What's he talking about? God gave it. He wants unity. He wants a body in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Okay, so these are those positional gifts. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Okay, this is important. Why did he give those? He gave those for the equipping of the saints. Who's the saints? You are. I am. We are all God's saints. We're part of his church. And so he gave those things so that we can all be equipped to minister. If somebody's an evangelist, an evangelist is somebody who wakes up in the morning and they are thinking and passionate about winning people to Jesus. They go to bed thinking about it. They sit in a service that's talking about how to just grow as Christians, and they're frustrated oftentimes because why are we talking about how to grow as Christians? We're already going to heaven. Let's go find somebody that's not going to heaven. Because that's where they want to be. And so he gave them that gift, though, not so they would leave the church and say, well, I'm out of here because they're not going out to reach people enough. I'm gone. He gave that to them so that they I'm going to use what I have to try to inspire and encourage and equip other people here to go out and use their gifts to reach lost people. If somebody has a gift of mercy, right, it's not just so they can be merciful and think everybody else is hard, but so they can show others mercy and teach others mercy. But these gifts are given for that purpose. It's to teach and to train others and to help other people to grow into being more like Christ. So the natural spiritual gifts, these are, I would say, our empowerment for daily Christian living. These are things that help us just walk out our lives as a believer. Okay, and all these came out of that, that passage in Corinthians. These are, I'm not making these up off my head. We took those out of Corinthians. Um, the gift of mercy comes out of Romans uh, chapter 12 in its list of spiritual gifts. It has that one in. Okay, but these are ones that I would say are empowerment for daily Christian living. Words of wisdom, serving, teaching, exhortation. Giving, leadership, mercy, helps, and faith. There's a woman in the Bible named Dorcas. In some translations, she's Tabitha. 
But she actually died. She had a ministry to widows. And she died. But her ministry to widows was so significant, having such an impact within her city, that the people went to Paul and pleaded with him, she has to be risen from the dead. Because her ministry is too important. And the widows are weeping and crying, and we need her. And so she was literally risen from the dead to go back to work. Imagine waking up. Okay, you're thinking of it in her shoes, okay? You just close your eyes, and you open them, and you're in heaven. Everything's perfect. Everything's wonderful. Now, on earth, she made clothes and did things, and blankets and clothes and things like that for people in need. I'm sure she loved it. I'm sure she's passionate about it. But she was getting older, and she dies. She goes to heaven. She's in the presence of God. She sees all of her old family and friends that love the Lord. She sees Jesus. She's there, and all of a sudden, just as she's starting to have fun, it's like, whoop. Her eyes are closed again. They pop back open. There's a bunch of people standing over a casket saying, can you sew this for me? I got a hole in this pair of pants. Can you get this for me? Can you put my sandals back together? She's got her little arthritis fingers, and they're just handing her needles. Come on, let's get back to work. But they needed a gift. It mattered. Guess what? They didn't go back and raise Peter from the dead. Peter wrote some of the Bible. He had a huge impact on important man. But the person they went back and raised from the dead to get back to work was somebody that was just quietly in the background serving a widow. The impact and the power of your gifting has nothing to do with whether or not you have a YouTube channel. It has nothing to do with how many subscribers you have or how many likes you get. If someone has your face on a t-shirt, how many things that you say as a pastor get hashtagged or hung on someone's wall. One of my daughters, I won't tell you which one, she printed out, she wrote it on her computer, this whole, made this whole poster of all of her favorite sermon quotes. And she said, Dad, if I email this to you, will you print it out so I can hang it on my wall? So I get up to see it every morning. I'm like, yeah. Send it to me. She sends it to me. I did not make the page anywhere. I didn't even have one single quote on her page of page. She sat through hundreds of me, times of me talking. I don't even know how often she's heard someone else preach. She's heard me a lot. I didn't even make a list. But there was a little bit of space on the page at the bottom. So I just said, can I throw a couple things on here for you just to fill out the page? You have? She's like, yeah, go ahead, Dad. So I got a couple in there. But how significant your ministry is, your gifting is, isn't in comparison to someone else you see. Because God's at work. He's impacting lives. And so you go through these different gifts, a word of wisdom, what is that? That is somebody that when there's a difficult situation, that person can be counted on to have an answer that directs you back to God's word, because that's where wisdom comes from. And that puts your life back on the path towards wholeness and completeness in Christ. Say, oh, I'm struggling in this area with my finances. Wisdom isn't just to say, well, this is how you get better at money. That can be part of it. But when we're talking about a gift of wisdom, it also not only does that, but it also comes back to the, well, this is how we get your finances right. And this is how God is involved in all of it. I'm bringing you back to the middle of here where God's at. God's in control of those things. God's watching over you. God's providing for you. A gift of serving. There's people that will get out and they will serve. Jennifer Jensen has a gift of serving. 
We talked about Josh. I mean, they are like a serving power couple. They're like that inwards compound interest. It's like you get the two Jensen's there and they're going to serve their socks off. The Salem family has a gift of serving. All the way down through all the kids. They're here setting up, tearing down, working hard. There's people that have a gift of serving where you don't have to ask, but they're always looking, what can I do? Back here in the back. When the very first Sunday he was here, didn't even know him yet. First time he visits, I turn around and he's grabbing chairs. I stack these and what do we do? I said, well, hey, just grab some coffee, grab a donut. I'm here to see go meet some people. We're glad to have you. No, I'm here to help. I'm here to help. I didn't have to ask him to help. He has a gift of helps, a gift of serving. It comes out because God's put it in him. A gift of leadership. A gift of giving. Mercy. Now, a gift of mercy is an important gift. Okay, very important. Because without it, we just cut people off and throw them away. Like, well, you blew it, you're done. Okay, hopefully within a marriage, at least one person is quick with a gift of mercy to help out. Makes parenting better, makes marriage better, makes life better. But mercy is very important. The gift of faith. We all have faith in Christ. The gift of faith is an ability to see something which we all can have at different levels. But it's a very, very large gift to see something before it comes to pass that God's put on our heart and say, no, we can do that. We're going to win. Well, how do you know? We are going to win. David in the Bible had that. He went up against Goliath and the whole army was pushed back and, and they were staying away from Goliath. He was threatening them. And yet David comes up and David says, today I'm going to take your head from you, you giant. I'm coming to get you. He's just a little guy with a sling. It didn't matter. He had a gift of faith. So God wants us to have that. Now when we use our gifts in the church or when we use them outside, here's the problem. Not everybody understands them and not everybody appreciates them. You may give someone wisdom and you know that God's moving in your heart to share it with them and you share it with them and they totally reject it and do their own thing. You might have a gift of faith and try to speak faith to somebody and they're discouraged and they say, I don't need that. You're just an optimist. You're just always happy. I don't need to hear about it. And they reject you and push you away. In Oregon, we had a bug. I've never seen one here, but in Oregon, we had a bug called a potato bug. Does anybody know what a potato bug is? Okay, a potato bug is this little gray bug that just looks like a, from the top, it just looks like an armadillo almost. Just a hard shell. And it's just tiny. We loved them as kids, but you lift up a rock and there's always potato bugs in Portland, Oregon. You pull out a potato bug, you put it on your hand, but the second that you start touching it and you bother it, guess what it does? It rolls, literally rolls up to the ball. A roly-poly, is that the same bug? A roly-poly, I need to find one. Are they bigger in Texas? They're like this big? So you can roly-poly like this big at the pet store. They're huge. I think they're called armadillos here. Armadillos. But these bugs, when they get irritated or agitated and uncomfortable, they roll up in a ball. Their legs are gone. They don't move anywhere. They can't eat. They can't help anything. They can do nothing. They're just rolled up in a ball. If you're a little kid, that makes them a lot more fun because you can roll them around and you can fling them and you can shoot them out of slingshots. It's super hot. Spin them out of spitball, things out of straw. Super fun. But for the bug, it becomes useless. When you go to use your gifting and you try to interact with people and say, man, I just feel the spirit of serving. Can I help you and serve you? And you run into somebody that has a bad experience in life and their heart is wounded and they reject your serving. They say, I don't want you to serve me. Get out of here. You're nosy. 
what can happen is that we become agitated or uncomfortable and we take our gift and instead of remaining open with it, we roll up into a ball and we become useless. Oh, I tried to serve. Oh, I tried to pray for someone. Oh, I tried to take them a meal. Oh, I tried to talk to the church and see if I could get involved in the ministry. And they said no. And we roll up and we say no, I can't get involved anymore. Just know that it takes not only God's grace working in you to use your gift, but it also takes God's grace working in others to receive it because most people have been hurt, abused, offended, taken advantage of. So you have to have patience. Jesus had patience. He went through the entire time on earth being ridiculed, pushed away. He didn't roll up into a ball. He was hung on a cross and he didn't roll up in a ball. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. After that, he sent his spirit. He continues to come after us. He doesn't roll up in a ball because of rejection. We have to be bigger than rejection. We have to understand that that's not always the person rejecting us, but that's the experience the person's had. Causing them to have this reaction to us. And unless we kind of stay the course with them, they won't allow us to come in. If a doctor wants to operate on a wound, what happens when he first grabs it and touches it, right? It's rejection. Get off me. It hurts. If you're helping someone in an area that they really need it, oftentimes the very first reaction is rejection. Because you're somewhere that matters. It hurts. So you got to be gentle and use your gift and be persistent. Be available. I'm here to help. If you change your mind, let me know. I want to help you. Okay, that takes us out of natural spiritual gifts into supernatural spiritual gifts. Now, supernatural, these are things that we just, we can't take credit for. Honestly, we can't take credit for the other things either. But if we lose humility, we can try to. Well, I just like to serve because I'm a servant. Well, who made you that way? Well, I just, I don't know, I've always been a servant. Couldn't serve. I, when I was a kid, I used to try to make the bottles for my mom. But she said, I'm the one that needs it. Fine, so I took them. But ultimately, I just want to serve her. I was born like that. No, we weren't born like that. We're all born selfish and greedy and demanding the bottle and demanding our binky and demanding what we want. But God gives us the heart of a servant to become like him. But we can try to take credit for those natural ones. But these supernatural ones, you look at it and say, I, there's no way I could have done this. One is prophecy. So what is prophecy? Prophecy in a biblical context okay, is when God speaks something to us and we share it with others. That's not spooky. It's not weird. It's something that's practical and applicable to help people move towards God's purpose in their life. Okay, sometimes it's done in a group. Someone may have a word to share, and they share a word that God's given them, and I see that God is, is maybe calling us to do this and to go this direction. And they share it within a group. Sometimes it's one-on-one, -on -one, which would be more called a word of knowledge, where you go to somebody and say, hey man, God's been speaking this you know, are you going through a hard time in this area? And you say, well, yeah, I actually have been. How do you know that? Well, I just felt like God's putting on my heart. I just want to pray with you. Can I give you a verse? Okay, but prophecy and word of knowledge both need to first line up with Scripture that we're speaking things. You say, well, this is from God. Well, how come it's not in the Bible? Well, because God just told me on the side. So God's given us the Bible in order to line those things up with them to say, okay, is this really true? Okay, which there's a lot of people that have gotten caught up in cults and been taken advantage of, even sexually, and 
in all types financially and all types of ways. And if they had taken what the prophet was telling them and lined it up and looked at God's word and said, is this matching up? The answer would have been no, and they would have been saved from all that. So it's important to say, is this in line with God's word? Does it glorify God? The gift of healing. My wife was healed of Crohn's disease. She had Crohn's disease, doctor tested, put on medicine, absolutely had Crohn's disease for 30, 19 years. On all the stuff, and going in and out of remission, she got prayed for in church service, and had plantar fasciitis in both feet as well. She used to crawl on her knees and had callus on her knees from crawling around the house when nobody's home. Both of them were healed right on the spot. She went to the doctors to get it checked out. Which was a whole colonoscopies and everything. Is it still there? Is it just in remission? He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't see anything. I don't think you ever had it. But she has all the reports and all of the stuff from the previous doctors. Yes, you definitely had it. And this doctor's like, you definitely don't have it. It was a healing. God does healings. The plantar fasciitis is gone. Went from orthotics and special shoes and all this kind of stuff. It's still in pain. Calluses on knees. But now it's flip flops and running around with no shoes on. That's a healing. Some of you know people that have been healed. Some of you have been healed. I prayed for a lady at a rummage sale for a church fundraiser, and she came in on a wheel cart with one leg, just pushing it because her knee was really bad. She had a cast on it, like a brace thing, and I said, can I pray for your knee? She said, I guess. So I prayed for her, and she scooped back out of her car. That was on Friday. On Saturday, she walks back into the rummage sale, to find me and say, I can't believe, I don't know what happened, but my knee is totally fine. God healed it. But the only reason I know is because it was a two-day rummage sale. If it had been a one-day, I would have never heard that story. You may have prayed for someone to be healed, and you think, well, but God's never, I feel like I'm supposed to pray for the sick. Like, I get this thing welling up in my heart, like, I need to pray for them, but I pray for them, and nobody's ever been healed. How do you know that? How do you know that that person that you prayed for at the park that you're talking to while the kids play, and you prayed for them because they, they had cancer? How do you know that they didn't get healed? You never saw them again. I've heard many stories of people that later on in life got reconnected to somebody that they had prayed for and found out that they were actually healed. So sometimes we know, sometimes we see it, sometimes we don't, but God gives that. Now, can any of us as believers pray for someone that's sick and see them get healed? Yes. The Bible says that, that those who follow Christ can pray for the sick and they'll be healed. That God will work through some of us. But there are others who have a great gift of healing that it just happens a lot more often. Because God's chosen to work through them that way. Miracles. That's different types of miracles. There's all types. Distinguishing between spirits. That's like a gift of discernment. I love, this doesn't seem like it's from the Lord. You know, my wife has a great gift of discernment. We had some people live with us one time, and she kept saying, this guy's not right, something's wrong with him. I'm thinking, he seems like a great guy. His wife was with They were both living with us in a room upstairs. I said, the wife sure seems like she thinks he's a great husband. Now, what's the problem? You're the only one that feels this way. Well, over the years, I've learned that she might be the only one that feels that way, but a lot of times she's right. It turns out that the guy was really crazy, doing a lot of bad stuff. Ended up having his wife had to leave him, and the guy was just not a good guy. And he was in our home, and I, as a, as a pastor, as the lead of my home, had no idea he was a bad guy. I have discernment. Sometimes it doesn't operate as highly as hers. I just want to love people and gather them and help them. My assumption is, man, they're all on the path. Let's all move forward. Sometimes they're not. But she'll have that discernment. And so it's 
important that we have people that can do that. The gift of tongues. Now, I'll tell you that there's, this is one of the most controversial verses because the gift of tongues can be interpreted different ways. Okay, one is the gift of tongues, and there's many stories of this, and you can look up online and read some of the stories of missionaries that have gone into other countries and been in places where they have no idea what the language is, and yet God gives them the language supernaturally. There's a story of a janitor that was sitting in the school, and he's just working on his you know, cleaner thing, and he's just singing what he thought was just in a spiritual language. He didn't think it meant anything. And this other guy comes running up to him and says, what are you talking about? He says, I don't know. I didn't know anybody was here. He says, man, you've been testifying about God to me. I want to give my life to Jesus. And he's sitting there evangelizing and leading this guy to Christ. And he doesn't even realize he's saying that. He's just speaking in a language he doesn't understand. So God uses that at times for us to either long-term or momentarily speak a language that we don't know. Does it happen all the time? No, it's not very common. But it does happen. God uses it that way. Another one is a gift of tongues is in the spiritual gift where we just speak in a language that nobody knows, but we just do it in prayer. And the Bible says that that's not to be done in a group in front of each other unless there's someone that can interpret it there, but that it's for us to edify ourselves as we pray in the Spirit. Say, well, how could you say things that you don't really understand what they are, what they mean? Well, I like to tell you because I do speak in tongues myself. And when I pray in tongues, I don't know what the words are. But my spirit and my mind, my, my heart knows what I'm praying. It just does. I can feel. I can feel I'm praying for unity. And I don't understand the words of it, but I can feel I'm praying for unity. And eventually, as I pray on that for 10, 15 minutes, then suddenly, just actual, just English words of prayer on unity will come out for 10, 20 minutes. As God just gives it to me, and I just get this heart burden for that, and I'll pray on it. Or whatever the circumstance might be. But whether or not you speak in tongues or don't speak in tongues has nothing to do with whether or not you're a believer. And I don't believe biblically that it's the only sign that you have the Holy Spirit working in you. It's just, you can't, there's, there's just too many scriptures, all these other gifts, and it says that God gives gifts as he determines. But you do have a gift from God that God wants to use through you. And so what we're going to do is take a few minutes, we're going to break out and talk about these, because then we're going to do a little bit of interaction. So some of you took your spiritual gifts test before you came, some of you may not have. But here's the point of breaking out to talk about it. We read that whole first passage, and what did it say? The gifts are for what? Unity, oneness, to build each other up. Okay? So that gives some importance to interacting together on what those giftings are. So if you did not take the spiritual gifts test that I sent out earlier in the week, either because you're a visitor or you just didn't have time, that's okay. Because on that sheet that I printed out, it lists out these spiritual giftings. And so you can just look at them, and you kind of already know typically. If I love to serve, I'm reading this list, and when you, that's the one I get excited when I read that word. I, I love that. And so it can kind of inform you of what that gift is. And so I just want us to break into small groups and talk about it, what you feel like maybe your top couple of gifts might be. Now, that doesn't mean go on a long 10-minute thing about yourself. It's kind of shared how maybe God might want to use it and let others share. So you can learn about them, and they can learn about you. Okay? So they realize you have a gift of serving. When they have to move all their furniture later this afternoon, they know who to call Okay? That's the purpose of that. When they don't have any money tonight for the pizza that they want to get, they can call you because you got to get the giving. Right? That's what we're doing. We're doing it just to create more community and oneness around these things. The last thing I'm going to say before we do that is that as God gives us these gifts and we use them, okay, the intention is that we move forward in our Christian walk. 
and begin to use them to serve and bless the people in the church and also to go outside of the church and to show people that God loves you. I'm going to come serve you because God loves you. I'm going to come and help you to need and give because God loves you. I have a word of knowledge that God's given me that you're going through a hard time, and I want to share it with you as it's been stirring my heart because I want you to know that God loves you. That's the intention of them. Oftentimes as Christians, we get caught living our whole life for the wrong reason. An athlete does not live his whole life or her whole life in order to not be fat. Well, I'm an athlete, so I wake up every day thinking, I've got to not become overweight or unhealthy. I've got to not become unathletic. They don't think that way. They don't even think, I've got to not get injured today. They're an athlete. They're thinking about the game that they're in and to move forward and have victory. And if that's why they train, that's why they do their work. Well, as believers, oftentimes, we can get caught in this idea that, well, I'm a believer now, so my whole life is about not becoming a sinner again. My whole life is about not doing bad things or having a bad thought again. Well, that's my whole life. I just got to not get spiritually out of shape. But that's not the purpose. The purpose is to take the gifts and the abilities of the Holy Spirit that God's put in us and to move forward to accomplish His work and have victory. Amen. Let's break up. Find groups of three, four, five people. Uh, if you're new here and you're super uncomfortable with that, it's okay if you don't participate. But I'll just tell you, we do this from time to time. Because we really believe in community and connection. We believe that's what God has for the church. So let's just break up, have conversation, and talk if you're online. Um, unfortunately, this is the end of our online, so we're going to sign off. Um, but be blessed. Thanks for joining us. If you can ever make it in person, that would be awesome. Because then you can connect and, and uh, get into groups of people and build some little relationships. the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.